He was a gardener. He was a gardener. And Did he use his hose? Oh. Okay. <laughs> See how he went there? Welcome to Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. You can download this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music. Be sure to subscribe and give us a review with your thoughts about the show. Thank you to MotherHen23, who gave us a 5.0 star review, by the way, which is all we're accepting at this time. (laughs) Uh, Her review says, so funny and relatable. I listened to season two, episode one on my run today and literally had to stop running because I was laughing so hard. People were looking at me like I had lost my mind. Love Meredith and Tiffany. Keep up the good work. My favorite podcast. Oh, that was a super sweet one. And she's somebody who runs. You know what I mean? Right. Like good I, people do that. They you yeah. I'm yeah. honored. Yeah, I don't, but I people, you know, who care about their health. But no, literally she had to stop running. I would like everybody to know that for the entire season one and the first episode and second episode of season two, I have had my headphones backwards. Mm. So I have not been hearing properly. Mm. Today is the first day that I have them on correctly. And it's like a different world in my eardrums. Right. Like I've been way louder than I realized. And now I'm questioning everything I've ever done. Anyway. And your whole life? No. Just here with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I'm your host, Meredith, from That's Inappropriate. And I'm your host, Tiffany, from Juggling the Jenkins. This podcast will discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Please remember we're not professionals at anything you may actually need, so any advice we give you can take or leave because it might be crap. On today's episode of Take It or Leave It, we are talking all things Tiffany- And juggling the Jenkins. So this is going to be one of our... (sighs) Best episodes ever. Right. Very... Most entertaining. Mm -hmm. The subject matter is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. riveting. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those episodes where we're really going to get to... We talk about all sorts of stuff on the podcast, but we're really going to get to know you, you know, why you tick, why you do the things that you do. I don't think there's any explanation. Uh, Well, you better come up with one. But before we get into the topics, let's tell everyone how they can win the opportunity to remotely co-host the season finale with us, as well as receive some awesome Grove Collaborative and FabFitFun prize packs. It's easy to enter a co-host contest. Just download the podcast every week and listen for the secret code word through the first 15 episodes. Text the secret code word, then reply with your email address and like Filter Free Parents on Facebook. You have seven days after the episode is released to enter. Every week is a new chance to enter, and every time you enter is another chance to win. All of the contest rules can be found at podcasttakeitorleaveit.com. This episode's code word is juggle. From the U.S., text juggle to 44222 for your chance to win. From Canada, text juggle to 158-780-0423 for your chance to win. Okay, so let's open the show with a mom feel moment. We're here because we've all struggled as moms, and anyone who says and anyone who says they haven't is a liar. You're a liar face, liar face. Do you have a, a, a mom fail moment you'd like Your to? Your pantalones are in fuego. Okay. What did it's I do? Happening. You have to keep your mouth closer. <laughs> Not that we want to hear any more of your songs. I do have a mom fail moment. So couple of years ago, 
on spring break. I think, you know, because my kids are year round, they have two weeks of spring break, back to back, subsequent break. And it was a long one and they were driving me nuts. And I got this letter in the mail about us not paying our homeowners dues on time or some such nonsense. And I had to drive into the office to drop it off. And so then I, I drive all the way over there with three screaming kids. I get out and there's nobody in the office. It's closed. It's locked. There's no way to make the payment. And it was like the last day to make your payment before you get $125 late fee. Mm -hmm. So I'm screaming and cursing about that. I drag all the kids back into the car. I I get us back in the car. They're complaining it's hot. Everybody has a problem. We get home and it literally was just... I just couldn't take it anymore. Like just the, 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 the screaming, the fighting, the everything. And my kids were fighting over, do you know the penguins of Madagascar? The, the, like, yes, whatever that is. I don't know. I don't know what cartoon that is, but the penguins of Madagascar from whatever movie that is. It might be Madagascar. 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 Madagascar is the movie. Okay. So they had this stuffed angle, stuffed animal penguin i was saying stuffed penguin stuffed animal (laughs) penguin i don't remember which penguin it was right but so they have it and they're fighting over it so i kid you not i grab the stuffed animal and i start yelling and i took it by the wings and i went and i rip it apart and literally stuffing is flying out oh my gosh my kids are looking at me i'm screaming and i'm like you want to fight over it? Guess what? Nobody gets it now. And I run into the garage and I shove the carcass of the dead penguin into the <laughs> into the garbage can. And as I was walking back into the house, I walked past a mirror and I saw myself. Mm. And I went, <gasps> and I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I just did that. Mm. And I started to cry. I started to bawl. And it took five or so minutes. I got myself together. And I then walked out. I called all the kids over to the couch and I sat them down and I was like, mommy lost her shit. Mm. I'm really sorry. I felt terrible. And I kind of talked to them. I tried to go out and see if the penguin could be (gasps) salvaged. Mm. He could not. Mm. I had ripped those wings off like he Mm. was done for. And so now... It's a running joke in the house that um, when I'm coming to that level, somebody will be like, so are we going to kill a penguin? And it's like, you know, but because this was probably like four years ago Uh and they were much smaller now, you know, but it's totally relatable. But I did it. I straight up. I straight up made that penguin an amputee. Like it was bad. <laughs> I felt terrible afterwards, but you felt good while you were doing it. I, I was so mad. They were fight because your kids fight about the same stuff over and over again. But then it was like, you know what I mean? Like this is what we're gonna fight about. Okay, I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. I fixed it. All right. Good for you. Cause probably some therapy in the in the future. But anyway, so that's my moment. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Just it's one of the many. A shame we don't have it on film. <laughs> Meredith, how excited was the gardener about spring? I feel like this could get dirty, but I don't know. He was so excited he wet his plants. <laughs> Ew. No. Okay. Like wet his pants? No. Yeah, but plants. Because he was a gardener. He was a gardener. And Did he use his hose? Sp- oh, okay. <laughs> See how he went there?
All right. So I figured in this first segment, we would talk about your addiction journey, that it is totally up to you how you want to start this. We did not go over this. We did not have a conversation about this prior to recording this podcast. So I just want everybody to know that. Uh, So this is completely up to you. And you can kind of fill us in on either how how it all began or any point that you want to in your journey. But I think it's important. I'm pretty sure it's the reason why you do what you do. So mm-hmm. I want you to start wherever you feel comfortable and kind of I'll just ask questions as we go kind of thing. Yep. That's what I was going to say. I'm an open book. So if okay. you have a question you want to interrupt me with, feel free. Okay. So if you have been listening to our podcast and somehow did not know that I am a recovering addict... Then surprise, Um, (laughs) I am a recovering uh, drug addict. I just celebrated six years clean and sober in November. Oh, girl, you didn't tell me it was November was your anniversary. I didn't? No. You should have known that. I'm so sorry that I didn't know that. Congratulations. That's a massive achievement. Six years sober. Thank you. you. I know it's very shocking because I couldn't go five seconds without drugs. So really, I never thought it would happen. Um, it was never my intention or my plan to grow up and be a drug addict. Mm. I did not know that I was, it was, it was something that was possible to happen to me. I thought drug addicts were like weird old guys who lived under bridges and stuff. You know, the homeless people in the movies. I never thought that it would be me. I was a good kid. I did cheerleading. I got good grades. I was class clown. I grew up in a house with a stepdad who's a police officer. Um, I was really good. I kind of like was super insecure though. And I always felt uncomfortable. I always felt like I didn't belong. I always felt goofy and weird, very different from everybody else. And so, uh, one day I made a decision, um, my senior year of high school to have a drink, have a sip of alcohol that was offered to me. And as soon as I took the sip of alcohol, it was like, I wasn't self-conscious anymore. I didn't feel weird or uncomfortable. I just felt nothing. And I loved that feeling. And so I started chasing it, that feeling of nothingness. And it wasn't long, uh, about three months until I dropped out of high school completely. Your senior year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So from the first moment you had a drink, Mm -hmm. three around three months. Mm -hmm. I went from being captain of the cheerleading squad to dropping out of school. Um, can I ask how often you were partying in that three month spread? It's, it, it progressed. Um, I started skipping school to hang out at this house where people smoked weed and drank. And, um, then I found that like, I would rather be at this house than at school every day. And so it was like, I had 70 something on excused absences. Oh my, my parents had no idea. Cause I would show up for second period, which is the one where the, if you miss it, they call your house. I would show up for that and then leave again. Um, And yeah, so it got to a point where I just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go to work at my own pace school and work at my own pace. But then I quickly realized my own pace was a snail and I had no self-motivation. So how did your parents feel about you dropping out? um, Well, my, I, I had to go live with my dad. My mom wasn't really happy. I can't remember if she kicked me out or if I was just like angry at her. And wanted to move out. But I ended up with my dad somehow. Um, So yeah. So I I started doing like weird stuff. Like I worked at an adulty place. And um, 
I was introduced to my drug of choice around age 20. What was that? Opiates. Mm. Um, I had no idea about addiction, though. I didn't know that it was possible to become addicted to a pill because it was from it was a medical thing. You know what I'm saying? And at that time, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have the Internet. I didn't have time to Google like side effects and stuff. And it, I still didn't think that this is what addiction was. I thought addiction happened when you bought bags of drugs off the street, like H and crack and things like that. So, um, so I started, um, using drugs or using pills for fun because it made me once again, feel numb, but like to another level. Um, and I was able to be sneaky. And then the way that I began administering these pills changed. So it went from me taking them orally to me. Um, I don't want to trigger anybody by talking too much detail about it, but um, it progressed the way I started taking the pills so that it would hit me sooner and faster. Um, and my mom ended up, I feel like I'm just like droning on and like, no, just, no. Rah, rah. no, we're, I think we're all just enthralled. So <laughs> I am. I mean, and I've heard your story, but I think it's important that you share this because I, I you're absolutely not the only one who didn't know that you could become addicted to opioids. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the crisis that we're in currently mm -hmm. in our country and the climate and the fact that it needs to be discuss discussed in order to save people. Um, 17 people die every day in the state of Florida from opioids. 17? 17 people a day. I'm surprised that's it, to be honest with Th you. That's on the, that's on the rise. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's 17 people a day. So I don't know the math, but, and that's only our state. Wow. So, so yeah, so continue. So, so I started doing it for fun, um, with my friends and then I started getting them on my own behind my friends back and doing them. So like we would be sharing and then I'd still have my little bit that I was doing and they didn't know. Um, and then it got to a point where I was doing them every day, but I never exceeded two. For some reason, I was like, I still have morals. Like, I'm not going to do more than two. Mm -hmm. And there was a day where I started, I was laying in bed and I felt so sick. And I felt like my bones were growing out of my body. Like, literally, like they were just splintering inside me simultaneously. It felt like I was on fire. And I kind of wanted to die. I had never experienced a pain like that. And I was whining to my best friend about it. She said, have you had a pill today? I said, no. She said, that's why, dork. Go get one. And so I did. And the instant that I took it, that pain went away. Mm. The instant. Wow. It was just gone. And not only was I not in pain, but once again, I just felt, I felt great. Mm -hmm. And so that was the night that I stopped doing the pills because I wanted to and started doing them because I had to in order to not feel like I was dying. How old were you at that point? I want to say 21, 22, somewhere around there, 23 maybe, because um, this went on for a while and then my mom was diagnosed with cancer uh -huh. and she was 46 and she, her health started deteriorating quickly because she went through chemo and so it was like too much for me at that time, like I somehow managed to make this about me and I'm like, I can't stand to see her cough. I can't stand to see her sick. So I'm just going to move out. Like I was living back at home at this point and I moved out because it was too hard for me to look at her that way, which is so, I, it's one of my biggest regrets. Um, I wish I could have been there for her. I should have been there for her, but, um, 
Anyway, I ended up uh, moving out and she passed away five months after she was diagnosed. Oh my God. What kind of cancer did she have? Lung cancer. Oh. And it was so crazy because I mean, literally one day she was fine. And then the next she said, I have a year and a half to live. And that was devastating thinking she only had a year and a half. So when they're like, you, we just want to prepare prepare you you know she's got a few days left i was like what so um so yeah so she um passed away and it was tough i was numbing i found out that i was getting a trust fund and so i actually made a mature decision to go to the guy who was in trust of the or who was in charge of the trust fund my mom's boss and confess that i thought i had a problem and that i needed to go to rehab so he took the trust fund money and sent me to rehab for 28 days. The problem is um, I didn't go to rehab because I wanted to. I went to rehab because I felt like I needed to. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference because I was defiant and rebellious. And I thought I knew more than these people. And I thought they were crazy. And I thought I wasn't as sick as everybody else. And um, I lied to my counselors and and I let I finished the program, but I told them somebody else from home was coming to pick me up. But I had left with my roommate. She picked me up. She had already been discharged. Um, and the lady wrote a, my psychiatrist or whatever she was, wrote a letter to the man in charge of my trust fund and said, Tiffany could sell snow to a snowman. Be careful. Ooh. Yeah. I found that out later on. And I at the time, I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Not a compliment. Yeah, I relapsed the night I got out of rehab on alcohol. Oh, my gosh. But I thought it was fine because drinking wasn't my problem. It was just drugs, right? At this time, that's what I thought. Um, and so I got wasted the night. Uh, like, literally, this girl picked me up from rehab. We went straight to Winn-Dixie and bought stuff to make my favorite drink. And I, like, got started drinking, called these boys over, like just right back to that same lifestyle. But in my head, it was okay because I wasn't doing the pills. Okay. And so I ended up going back home. Um, and I had been out of rehab for three months and I hadn't yet relapsed on pills. And I was out one night partying and I ran into this group of people. One of them was a deputy sheriff and I guess he had a crush on me and I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what I need. I remember the stability that my stepfather, the police officer, provided. Oh. I knew that I could never relapse if I was with a police officer. I knew that that would be what I needed to keep me on track. His love, his, you know, him being a part of my life would be enough. But addiction doesn't really care who you're dating. You know what I mean? It doesn't care if you're a mom or okay. a sister or brother. It doesn't care. And so I ended up relapsing and I hid my addiction from him for two and a half years until finally all my lies and the truth about who I was caught up with me one day and I was arrested. Two and a half years. Mm. Oh my gosh. Mm. So you were hiding things uh, like how you were getting your drugs when you were doing your drugs. Yeah. I was doing drugs every single day. I had changed the way that I administered them once again to the point where it left scars. And so I was covering my scars with makeup. Um, I was taking his vehicle and driving it to my dealer's house. Like I would come home with drugs in my pocket. I would give him a kiss, go in the bathroom, 
do my drugs, come out and sit on the couch with him and ask him about how his day at work went. And like I was living a lie. I would put a mask on every single morning, pretending I was an upstanding citizen, like I was a good person. I had my life together, but inside I was dying. Like I wanted to die. Um, nobody knew who I was until I was arrested from the home and um, put in jail. What did you do that got you arrested? Um, pawning things that did not belong to me, a.k.a. I stole things from him and his parents, and I pawned them. I staged a robbery at our home, and so I was charged with burglary because I stole his wallet. Um, like, in my brain, it made total sense to steal his wallet because I needed the money that was in it, but it was just me and him who lived there. So how could I get that money without him questioning me of where it went? So I literally broke the back door, took his wallet, took the money out. And then I realized like, wait, this is going to suck for him. He has to get all his license and everything again. So I'm just going to hide his wallet with his badge and his IDs and stuff close to the house so that it could be found by the cops and they could return that to him. Like, my stupid brain and they came to investigate the crime and I was offering them sodas and snacks while they're dusting for fingerprints, you know, having no idea that, um, I was the perpetrator. So, wow. Well, I'm, I mean, that's, that's intense. Yeah. So I went to jail. Um, I spent 120 days in jail and I knew that um, I needed help. I knew that I I couldn't figure out how to live a normal life without somebody teaching me. So I made the decision to go to rehab after jail. And I spent six months in a residential treatment program. And that was the smartest decision that I've ever made because I was able to look inward for the first time. Can I stop you for one second? Mm-hmm. Were you clean in jail? Yeah. Okay. Because I, cause, I mean, I hear that inmates can get drugs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. I mean, you can. Some people smuggle it in their backsides uh-huh. and their lady parts. Right. And um, then give them to the prisoner and then the prisoner takes them in and can do them. Well, the prisoner is like people who get arrested. If the cops are going to stop them, you know, they shove it up there and then the cops end up arresting them for something else. And so they get to the jail and they still have it up there and they change clothes and they still have it up there. And then when they're in their cell, they're like, yo, I got these. Uh-huh. And so, so, but that had to be hard to be locked up and going through because you had to detox in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I detoxed in the medical facility and suicide watch. I wasn't in general population. Okay. Did they do that because you told them you were going to hurt yourself or did they do that because they physically saw the signs of detox? Why does that happen? They did that because they found me hanging in my cell. Tiffany. You didn't know that? I didn't know that part. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I I honestly, though, like I wanted that more than anything at that time. To just be done. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't stand another second in my body in the reality that I'd created. I was done. Yeah. Okay. So they, they put you in there and how long does it take to detox? It varies for each person. Um, for me, I think it was like nine or 10 days before I started like laughing again. And like actual laughing, like I was laughing so hard that my cheeks hurt. And like I started crying because I was like, holy crap, I forgot about this feeling. 
because I had spent so much time on drugs that you numb. for yeah and I forgot what it was like to feel like my cheeks hurt um and so yeah so slowly but surely the fog started to clear and um I started to feel better and I was taking showers and being able to get out of the shower without excruciating pain from the air because that's what not having your drug and going through withdrawal will do so you did 120 days days there mm-hmm. and then um what was your experience like in the halfway house well i went to rehab for six months oh rehab was first yeah okay. and then um that's uh, in tr- inpatient yeah i lived there you lived there mm-hmm. yeah and it was not your conventional rehab either um it's not it, it wouldn't be good for some people the way that it's run but it was good for me and so like i was the only one out of all the girls there that had a driver's license <laughs> so i was in charge of driving people and they put me in charge of driving us to the meetings and driving people to their doctor's appointments and while that was super dangerous it allowed me to feel a sense of responsibility i'm out I could drive to my drug dealer's house if I want, but instead I'm going to drive back to the rehab like I'm supposed to. And so when I would lay my head on the pillow at night, I would it would make me feel really good to have been trusted and to not betray that trust. So um, rehab was definitely an interesting experience, but I knew that the time was going to pass anyway, so I really tried my best to learn as much as I could while I was there and to absorb everything um, because I wanted to change this time well and i that's what everybody says is the requirement um you have to want to do it because mm-hmm. the first time you weren't ready Mm-mm. you didn't have a problem you, you right you believed anyway you didn't have a problem right and only once you're willing to do whatever it takes are you able to like open your ears and accept what these people are telling you is wrong with you mm-hmm And so from the rehab, I went directly into a halfway house, which is basically a place where you live with other people and you have a few rules and regulations and curfews. But for the most part, you have freedom. You're allowed to go get a job. You're allowed to do whatever you want. Um, The only requirements are like you have a chore that you have to do each week. You have to go to one meeting per day and you have to be back by curfew. And that was a really flipping incredible experience for me because that's where I met all my best friends all my best friends today Mm -hmm. Um, going to a meeting every day I was able to meet people who were the same age as me who were having fun sober sober yeah and so I was in the halfway house for two months when I got pregnant (laughs) oh no I knew that (laughs) I like how you were gonna pretend like you didn't Mm -hmm. know but then you're like no no I knew that yeah (laughs) so so you meet your now husband Mm mm-hmm in there mm-hmm. uh and obviously there was an attraction yeah <laughs> yeah and i looked good back then girl <laughs> and so you guys ro- obviously romantically get involved i don't think it was an immaculate listen conception. it was one overnight pass what do you mean what's that an overnight pass is where i'm allowed to spend the night out you have to earn and get an overnight pass and i had one overnight pass at his house and i'm not joking Two weeks later, I started feeling weird, and then I took a test from the dollar store and found out I was pregnant. See what those overnight passes do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a story to tell you. You, my friend, were an overnight pass. I know. (laughs) Literally. 
So now wait though, he wasn't in the ha- he wasn't living in the halfway house then. No, at that it, point, it's same sex. Oh 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 oh. No, he wasn't. Yeah. Okay 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 okay. I understand. All right. So otherwise, we'd be doing it every night. <laughs> I mean, sorry. So so after that, how did he take the news? I was ready, like at the time, to figure something out um adoption wise because there's no way that I could have a kid I don't I live in a halfway house I have no job I have no car I have no cell phone I have no nothing um and so but he was so excited for some reason I don't know why he's like this is great babe and I'm like no (laughs) it is not great it's the opposite of great. Like, if you could picture worst case scenario, it would be the situation that we're in right now. Oh, my gosh. I love that he was excited. Yeah. It, because of his excitement is the only reason that I started getting excited. And then suddenly I wanted this baby more than anything. Mm. And my son was born on my birthday. Mm-hmm. I knew that, too. <laughs> and by then we had started working. I got a job. We started saving money and we had moved into our own apartment together. So my son was six months old when I found out I was pregnant again, and uh, my daughter was born uh, 16 months after my son was born. And then two weeks after that, Aubrey came to live with us full time. Yeah. So you went from one to two more quickly than a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, One to three, really. Well, (laughs) well, one to two, because you you were... How old was the baby when you got pregnant? Six months. Mm-hmm. And then you, ha- then, then, so did you, ha- did you have baby two when the bonus do- daughter came? Two weeks before. So, so just before. Yeah. So you went from one to two to three, like, <laughs> yeah. like really fast. Yeah. And I always joke and say I went from being like single in a halfway house to a married mother of three in two years. Cause that's what happened. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot to wrap your brain around. Yeah. People are probably sick of me saying that, but just I like to put it in a perspective because now not only like do I have to figure out how to be a wife and how to be a mom and how to be a mom times three, I also have to figure out how to live a life without drugs. What? How did did you guys marry before your son or did you marry somewhere in between? Or <laughs> um, We had been dating for two months when I got pregnant and then three months after I got pregnant. So five months after meeting, we got married. How did you get married? Like, in my you, backyard with burgers and hot dogs. I love it. Yeah. And um, so you just, somebody came and officiated. And my you, sister. No. Yeah. I didn't know Paris officiated your wedding. She yeah. was ordained. Would she go online? She's a notary public. I know. She's not an ordained priest or minister. <laughs> oh, she would catch on fire if she walked oh into gosh. a church right now. I love it. <laughs> so your sister performed the ceremony. Yep. And you had, your families came. Well, Yeah. They were super confused. Well, (laughs) that's okay, too. But, yeah. Um, And you had burgers and dogs. Yep, yep, yep. And then we both uh, made it home in time for Cure for You. So. I love that. Yeah. I love that you guys. That's, look, if you ask me, those are, your priorities were on point. Yeah. You you were figuring stuff out. You were doing it together. Yep. And you started and you, you've kicked fucking ass ever since sorry i have to say that you are just and you know what the best part of it is Hmm. not only are you slaying but you admit in between the moments of weakness that you have which makes every time i see 
something that you post or something you're talking about, and I'm going to say it again, I always say, fucking Tiffany. <laughs> She's just crushing it. She's just doing it. It's like the day I, I texted oh. you a couple of weeks ago. And I just said, I just want to tell you, I'm super proud of you, my friend. That was so sweet. I, I thought just, you were drunk. I, I she did. did. She asked me, she's like, day drinking much? Question mark. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on the way to pick up my kids. No. It was so sweet. But I just was, you know what I saw? And we'll talk about this before we transition to the next thing. Obviously, I had an idea, I th- a feeling this one might go long just because we have so much to talk about with you. But I saw the post you made on Instagram about the iPod. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, um, do you want to tell everybody, you know what, let's tell the iPod story in the next segment and then we'll talk about your journey moving forward because I think that I could be wrong, but that one, that story was just stopped me. I just stopped me in my tracks when I read that. Wow. So tell us the iPod story. I, um, I was given an iPod as a gift. Um, and like literally two hours later, I was sitting in the Walmart parking lot, posting on Facebook, trying desperately to sell this iPod for a hundred bucks because I was so sick. Um, and I just, I remember what it was like to sit in a parking lot and have my entire life hang on Uh the sound of a ding or a notification have my entire happiness depend on a text back from a dealer that he had stuff um and so when I saw it pop up on my memories it just brought me back to a time that I I had like forgot not forgotten about but it brought me back to that day and after so long of not having drugs and not being a slave to this crap Um, it was very interesting to take a trip back there because I thought that it's all I would ever know. And Mm. I didn't know that a life without feeling like that was possible. And you, at least I, you you probably didn't know how strong you are. No. Because you're, you are, you're just a fighter. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for the things that we can overcome. I truthfully, I got to be honest with you. I don't think that it has, I, I don't think it has anything to do with me, maybe a little bit, but the truth is if it wasn't for the women in recovery who came before me, who were there to accept me with open arms and share wisdom whenever I needed it and pick me up and take me to meetings and give me love when I didn't feel worthy of love. If it wasn't for the people in recovery, I would never have been able to do this. I promise. Like I could not have done this myself. Had it just been me alone, I would not be here today. And I also believe, um, that something bigger than me also had a hand in reorganizing things so that things fell into place. They were meant to to fall into like I Chuck my ex-boyfriend wrote a letter to the judge asking that I be allowed to go to rehab because of that letter I was able to go to rehab because I went to rehab I was able to create a bond with my father who was in recovery himself for the first time Um, all of these things I believe happened because I there was a plan for me which I had no way of comprehending at that time Mm. but I, I it's hard to take credit because you know, I couldn't have done it by myself. Well, no, but I'm, but I'm really glad that you found that group because everybody needs a tribe Yeah, no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, I'm convinced that's the reason that there's no 
instruction manual when you have kids. Right. Because when you think about it, a washing machine, a microwave, um, my coffee frother, my milk frother, it all comes with instructions. But we birth babies and are given no manual and no sets of instructions. Right. But that's because I believe that there are a million different ways to raise raise children. But what we are given our friends and community and people who have been there and done that. And then we get to pick and choose our path. Mm -hmm. So I think that's for you, you know, I think, I I think you're right. I think it's all, all a part of who you invite in on your journey Mm -hmm. and how you go about it. So transitioning from all of this, you're now you're married. You've, it's like Insta family. You've Mm -hmm. got three kids and you're trying to figure out how to be a mom, how to be a wife how to take care of these kids, how to, how to, how to, you transformed in a short period of time. What made you want to do what you're doing now? Or did you even know that you wanted to do this? Or was this kind of just, because everybody always, some, sometimes people will be like, oh, I just, I just posted a video and it went viral. And it's like, oh, yay. So tell me that that's what happened, Tiffany. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> tell everyone right now. I don't want to say that. No, but what I what I mean is what I'm no, asking no, don't you. Don't backtrack. What I'm asking you is why did you even make the video? So I had started writing. I knew that's why I knew she was one of those viral I hate you success stories. But no, that's why I led up to that. So go ahead. I I started writing just because I um I looked to social media for you know solidarity, somebody who was like me, somebody who I could relate to, and I was ha- I was struggling to find anybody. Apparently, I didn't know you existed at that point, and uh, so I just decided to start my own bloggy thing, mainly because I wanted to share my truth, even if it went to nobody. I just needed to get it out of my brain. Mm-hmm. I had so much in there. Mm-hmm. And I had heard that writing was therapeutic. And I used to have a typewriter when I was a kid and I would write stories. So I was like, oh, this is right and get this out of my head. And then um, so I started sharing just silly stories. And then I was going to write an article about what it's like in jail for people who are like wondering. And I finished the first page and I'm like, this is not even close to done. Maybe I'll make a series. And so I started making a series and people started getting really like invested in the series and like waiting on pins and needles for the next (laughs) chapter every week. And they started sharing it. And so my friend suggested I create a separate page so that I wasn't spamming my friends. And so I did. And people started liking the page and um, it felt, don't check your clock. It's the worst. I it was a notification on my Fitbit. <sighs> I can't work under these conditions. Mm, all right, diva. I'm just kidding. Um, so I made a video, <laughs> um, about an eyebrow stamp, and it got like ninety thousand views. And I remember being like, "Family, pack up. We are going to Hollywood. <laughs> we have made it. <laughs> this is it." Um, I I made a funny video the next day wearing like, (laughs) like this elegant outfit with sunglasses and pretending like I was rich and famous now, um, referencing the video from the day before. And, um, like it just, it just took off from there. (laughs) I wasn't expecting any of it. Um, really. And I think what sent it over the edge was the mom group videos. Yeah. Because everybody was sharing them in mom groups and then they were sharing them from there. And, if you know, I think that's how things escalated so quickly. And then when I found that the videos that I was most afraid to make, the ones that were most like, 
honest and scary, like postpartum depression, anxiety, stuff like that, addiction. Those were the ones that people gravitated towards the most. And I realized I wasn't alone very quickly because of the comment section. Yeah. He's like, me too. Thank you. And I'm like, what? Thank you. I thought it was just me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the mom group one was the first one that I saw. Was it? And I saw this and I'm like, who the hell is this chick? <laughs> like, what on earth is she doing? I'm like, this is hilarious. Oh, I was like, that's every mom group. That's, you know, no, 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 you can't say that. No, you know, or, or, or you know, oh, yeah. And, or my son would never do this. But do you know a kid who, mm-hmm. I mean, you were just, you were killing me. It was so great. <laughs> and then I saw you posted a video that you were going to California for Unicon. And... What you had in, we had met up before that. Well, yeah. I mean, I had reached out to you and then eventually you reached back out to me. You didn't immediately reach back out to me because you're really bad with phone, text, email, or any type of communication. (laughs) When you're right, right. But, um, but I did reach out to you and finally you hit me back and you were like, oh, hey. And, uh, that's when we actually chatted Mm -hmm. for the first time. But I, you, I didn't know anything about your backstory at that point. Otherwise, I never would have invited you over to my house. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, like, I just saw this funny video and I thought, oh, this this chick is, is just makes mom videos. And then I was so pleasantly surprised to realize that you were just this massive ball of amazingness and just mm. so you're so multifaceted. And honestly, every time I see you post something, it's fucking Tiffany. Add it again. Pure gold. No No matter what way, no matter what. But I I think it's so great because you reach so many moms. My favorite video to date is the um, Your Brain video. Yeah. Loved that. Thank you. That was epic on so many levels. The second most popular one. It you just hit the nail on the head, and if anybody out there who's listening to this podcast right now has never seen Tiffany's um, brain video, go to her page, uh, Facebook page, Juggling the Jenkins. Go to the video tab and just type in brain or search, and it's about the way our brain works as a mom, as a woman, as a wife. It's if it's, my brain had a morning meeting. If the brain is that what it's titled? Mm-hmm. If my brain had a morning, it's fantastic. It, I I was I threw my phone. <laughs> I watched it and I was like. And I just threw my phone and I was like, I can't believe her. She did it again. It's so good. I'm just getting lucky. I'm not kidding. It's just, it's, I never know how it's going to go over. But it doesn't, you're just, you're, you are you. And that's what anybody, anybody who ever messaged me, messages me and they're like, you do that podcast with that girl, Tiffany. Is she actually like she is? Oh God, don't tell him. And I'm like, exactly the same. She's just a, she's a disaster and I love her. And we go so, you know what I mean? It's like we can, there's no reason to hide it. Right. Right? right. But that just makes me love you more. Oh, thanks. But, um, so, so you started the blog and you've done all of these. And now I'm an Oscar winner. And now you've won three Grammys, two Oscars (laughs) and a People's Choice Award. Mm Mm-hmm. And so do you want to take a call in this segment? Yeah. Like an ask me anything. Ask. Or? How about an ask her anything? Yeah. I'm open unless it's, I'm, I mean, I'm actually open. So unless, unless it's, it's butt stuff. Or, well, yeah. Unless it's butt stuff. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going I was trying to one. think. I was, I was like, why would they ask well, that? Well, then though? you were kind of like turning around and I'm like, is she referencing her rear? <laughs> I don't know. You never know, guys. It can, That's it so goes funny. sideways quickly here, but, uh, but yeah. And, 
I just think it's fantastic that you are so transparent. How do we take a caller? Bailey will give us one. Oh, I don't know how this works. Well, we this is season two, so we've taken <laughs> callers for the last. <laughs> I thought there was like an app, though. This is why I'm not in charge of this stuff. All right. Well, you don't need to. You're pretty. Just sit here and look. Just sit here and look pretty. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so relatability, I would say. Thanks. Same with you. You know, is why you're just, you know, and she is, guys. She's the exact same person that we sit and chat. And sometimes she'll text me back. 90% of the time she won't. It's not just you, I promise. You know, you do text my husband back when he texts. That's because I'm scared of him. I already told you. He's very intimidating. I feel like he's like my podcast boss. So when I see it, I'm like, oh, shit, Dave texts. So then you reply. But when I text, you're like, meh. Meh. She's equal. She's an employee like I am. You know what I mean? He's our boss and we're both employees for the company. For the company. So In Studio G. When my boss texts, I'm like, oh, I better get back to him. When Meredith texts, I'm like, oh, can't you see I'm working? Oh, I know you were editing that video the other day when I texted. No, it's uh, literally somebody could text me and be like, hey, girl, your house is on fire. And I'd like see their name pop up and I just I'd ignore it just because I'm weird. I don't like everybody being able to get a hold of me whenever they want to. Yeah, I know you've said that several times. You aren't a fan of that. No, I want to go back to the days when you had to like send letters via owl ankle. Owl ankle, huh? Yeah. Pretty sure it's pigeon carrier, but <laughs> cool. Maybe a peregrine falcon. I don't know. That's, you tell that to Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. All right. Who do we so, have? Oh, sorry. Kimberly from New Hampshire. Three kids plus one bonus kiddo. What's up? Bonus. What? Uh, I've talked to you guys before. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh. Um, Tiffany. Yes. How young were you? And or I like I missed the beginning of it. Did you start taking pills? And like, were they somebody else's, or did you get injured? No, I did. That's a good question. I did not get injured. I was hanging out with uh, people who had them. They had prescriptions of them, and they offered me some, and they were like fifteen dollars a piece, which was insane to me at the time. Um, yeah, but I had no valid reason to take them other than I was I had kind of a YOLO type attitude. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't understand responsibility and the consequences of my actions at that time. And how old were you, though? I was around 20, 21, 22 when it started getting really bad. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. Same boat. Matter of fact, I have to call an Uber to go make an appointment to see my pain doctor. Oh. <laughs> I do have physical you know, stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but have been through the withdrawals, have been through, you know, it's. You know, do I really need this? Do I not really need this? Am I, you know, where am I at in life? Yeah. So, and I just watch you all the time. Just ordered your book. Should get it today. Oh, yay. yay. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to learn something from her. I know I need to, you know, oh. I need to learn. There's need a couple of typos in it. So <laughs> just ignore those. I'm of uh, age or, you know, getting to the age where it's like, yeah. You got to hit reality sometime. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for calling. We wish you the absolute best, Kimberly. Well, thank you, ladies. All right. You bye. have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. She has a cute voice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hold on. 
It says right here on page five, transition to segment three, and then page six. It says, oh, what's next? (laughs) Oh, I thought there was probably an AD. Yeah, so did I. So I don't know. I don't know where it went. Oh, self-promotion. Yeah, you go ahead since this whole thing's about me. No, no, no. I want you to promote um, just... We're we're talking about what's next. Yeah, what's next for you because you've started... So you're doing live shows now, Mm -hmm. which um, I think is super interesting because I think that it, it brings a whole other layer to this. So you've got, you've written a book and you have, you know, written a ton on your blog and then you started making these videos and then you started going out and um, working with sponsors and different things like that. And then somebody approached you to do a live show. Yes. What was your initial thought when they were like, Hey, do you want to get on a stage in front of a whole shit ton of people? And I was like, heck yes, that is my dream. And so I told him yes. And then four days later I sent him a message and I was like, Hey, never mind." I'm too scared. I'm too scared. Yeah. And then it was another four months that went by that I was living in fear and not making this happen. And then one night somebody on a live video was like, I'd give anything to be able to see you in person. And I was like, that's it. And I emailed him as soon as I got off the live and I was like, let's do it. And three months later I was in Wichita up on stage. What was that moment like when you walked out onto that stage and you saw all of those people? Horrifying. Yeah. I was peeing my pants i have extreme anxiety and this fear of judgment and this fear of people not liking me and so to be able to push all that to the side and step out on stage uh, you know in order for the greater good how long did it take you when you because because this is my fear about being in a crowd that size Mm because how many people were there it was eighty eight (laughs) thousand. <laughs> 88,000. She's apparently going to the Super Bowl, everyone. <laughs> so there were around 800, 800 living, breathing souls, mm-hmm. which is a lot of friggin' people. So when you stepped out onto the stage, though, like, what was your, my whole fear is that initial, like, <clears throat> did you do one of those or it was just like duck and water? No. Well, it took, it didn't take long for me to start feeling comfortable. I think the first laugh, I was like, okay, now I got, I've got this. it. Yeah, I got them. But the thing that makes me the most nervous is seeing all of the crew hanging things up, messing with lighting, messing with sound. All of these people are on the payroll and they are here for me. And it made me feel really pressured and really uncomfortable. Like, holy crap, man, there's a staff of 20 people here for this theater and they're all running around like crazy for me like for my show like obviously they're doing it for their job and they have to and it's their money but I mean just this whole production being put on for me uh, that's what made me nervous I felt so much pressure and I didn't know how it was gonna go and so um but it was a a grand slam well it was pretty it, it was good the first crowd in Wichita thank goodness it was there because they were all so loving and understanding of like my weirdness and my pauses and my breaks and my mess ups like at one point I was in the middle of like a super serious story and then I remembered that I was supposed to tell people to turn off their phones 
So I just stopped in the middle of my story and I'm like, oh, wait, did you guys shut your phones off? <laughs> just like out of nowhere. And it was like crickets. And I was like, sorry, that was, it was I shouldn't have said that now. I don't. And, and they just dealt with it because they're awesome. Um, but I learned from that show and I applied it to the next show. And I'm, I've taken everything that I've learned from the first two shows and I'm going to apply it. I'm going to just keep trying to grow and stuff. But basically, I gave the whole first half of the show here in this podcast episode. <laughs> um, so you don't even save your money. Don't go. No, go because <laughs> it's 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 an event and it's wonderful. And it, it is it is fantastic to be able to get out and meet because um, I've done I've done meetups mm-hmm. and there's something really, really special oh, yeah. about um, and I'm not a hugger. But I hug when I meet these women because yes. you're you're invested in a relationship mm. and it's like, oh, my gosh, like you get to meet them. And that's a big deal. That's the one thing that mm-hmm. allows me to kick that fear to the side is knowing that I get to breathe the same air and be in the same place. That's it. That's the whole point of this is to be around them. Yeah. So. So the show is a mix of things. Yeah. So the first half, and I tried to leave some of it out here today just in case, but the first half is basically um, me giving a little, since it's my first tour, just me telling about my background with pictures and home videos. And I go into detail and I talk about things that I usually don't talk about here or on the internet. Um, And it's not just like, this is my story. It's the lessons that I've learned. And I try to make it funny and I try to make it inspirational. Um, and I try to use my experiences to help others. And then the second half is more interactive. I call some people up on stage. There's a Q and a, there's a way to win some prizes, um, a special guest, which that cat's probably already out of the bag. Uh, but, but yeah, it's super fun, super, uh, super fun. And there's VIP beforehand. So we get to like hug and take pictures. Mm -hmm. And if you have books, bring them, I'll sign them. Um, it's just anybody's book or yours. <laughs> literally at this point, I'll sign anybody's book, <laughs> you know, for a photo up. Photo up. Um, but yeah, so the it's just a bunch of us, a bunch of people. Don't move your knee when I put my thigh up against it. Okay, I was just trying to give you some space. Don't try to back up from my love. All right, it's a room full of people who are just as weird as us hanging yeah. out. Yeah. So, so that's super cool. Yeah, and I'm very nervous, but I'm super excited. And you have how many show dates moving forward? I think uh, maybe 10, maybe another 10, 11 or 8, 11 or 8, maybe 10. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but definitely she's going to be coming to to your part of the country soon. Mm-hmm. So check, go to uh, TiffanyJenkinsLive.com. TiffanyJenkinsLive.com. You can check out to see where she's going to go, when she's going to be there. You can grab up some tickets. Yeah. Scoop up your tickets. You should do it quick, though, because they sell so fast. Right. Well, when you're an eight-time Grammy-nominated, Oscar-winning <laughs> People's Choice Award winner, people don't wait around. Just kidding. They're, like, giving them out for free on the streets. <laughs> They're like, we need to fill these seats. <laughs> it's, no, it's been great. I can't wait to see your show. I was so shocked when Joliet, Joliet opened up a whole new section because they... Um, we're selling so many and it's, uh, I was so surprised. That's, I'm not, not even a little bit surprised. I am. I, yeah. Mm. I can't really grasp the concept of people. <laughs> no, I, to yeah. come see me. well, I sit next to you all the time and I'm paying money to go see you. <laughs> That's how special you are. Oh, thank you. I, I could just it. have you here for free, but no, I I want That's to be true. I want to be in the room with you and these women mm. because I I know that I I just want to feel the energy. That's awesome. Because it's you know you are you're like a freaking magician. That what 
You are. You're just like, you're, it's, I don't know. It's like a, you're. You just compared me to a magician. A good one. Like, I don't see that. I think that people give me way too much credit. No. You're good, girl. I, I really do. I just don't want to disappoint people. And I think if people keep saying, you know, all these nice things about me, then when people d- figure out who I really am and that I'm really not as great as they That's think, they're going to be you disappointed. Have imposter syndrome, which we all do. You know what that is. Uh, somebody told me about it. Yeah, you have imposter syndrome. Recently. It's basically where you don't, it's the other shoe drop thing, which I think most women and wives and moms go through anyway. I never understand. Can you please explain that analogy? So, uh, imposter syndrome. No, no, no. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, so waiting for the other shoe to drop is just that things are going so well that you kind of clench up and you get tense and you just wait for something bad to happen because it's like the the other shoe is going to have to drop to hit the ground. It's just an expression. From the sky? Right. Sometimes it rains shoes. And I don't understand. It's just a saying. I don't know. Maybe people were just dropping shoes off of buildings. I don't know. <laughs> but but it's basically just you get tense and you get worried because you're like, okay, well, this went well and this went well. Surely this yeah. is going to shit the bed yeah. because everything else has been doing well. Right. And I myself am terrible about that because I'm getting ready um, to potentially do some touring things and and do some live stuff and I've already talked myself into the fact that I probably won't get re-upped because nobody will buy tickets Mm. so I've already done it and it's the thing that I tell everybody not to do like you have to you have to be your best self and advocate and just love yourself and when it comes to taking your own and then my own advice and it's like well it was a good try and it's like we haven't even done anything yet but I'm like I gave it my best (laughs) I'm the same way (laughs) but I've shit the bed so it's really hard and we do it with our kids we do it with ourselves we do it with our spouses and i think we just try to um protect ourselves mm-hmm. so the other shoe dropping thing is something that i just think we all go through yeah in in our in our daily lives right you could you don't want to use a shoe use something else <gasps> what if you're like a saxophone what if there's a drop. giant and you're like running on the ground and then you're waiting for the giant's shoe to come and drop on you and kill you Oh gosh, that went dark. <laughs> I feel like that could be a giant. That could be it because you're waiting for his shoe to drop, and then every you know. I'd prefer like a small tennis shoe. Yeah, but that wouldn't make sense. Oh, okay. Because well, now we're making sense of an analogy that we don't know where it came from, which totally makes more sense. All right. Well, don't forget to enter our co-host contest this season for your opportunity to remotely co-host the season finale with us, as well as receive some awesome Grove Collaborative and FabFitFun prize packages. It's easy to enter our co-host contest. Just download the podcast every week and listen for the secret code word through the first 15 episodes. Text the secret code word, then reply with your email address and like filter free parents on Facebook. You have seven days after the episode is released to enter. Every week is a new chance to enter, and every time you enter is another chance to win. All of the contest rules can be found at podcasttakeitorleaveit.com. This episode's code word is juggle. From the U.S., text juggle to 44222 for your chance to win. From Canada, text juggle to 158-780-04323 for your chance to win. Join us next week for another episode of Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast hosted by two struggling moms who have have no no idea idea what what we're we're doing. doing. 
So thank you, Tiffany. Thank you. You're welcome. I love talking about myself for an hour. Uh, it's uh, my favorite subject, truly. Is so it? yeah. Mm, good. Well, Stay tuned next week for another episode of Tiffany. <laughs> or take it or leave it, an advice ish podcast oh, okay. for parents. That's Bye. Fun. Bye.